Onasu. So this morning we begin the cycle again. Starting, of course, with loving kindness. This time I will give all of my comments prior to the meditation, and the meditation will be entirely silent. We start with loving kindness. And it's helpful to go back to kind of a framework of Buddhaghosa, and I'll run through it very, very quickly. And that is, what is the far enemy, or that which is diametrically opposed, head-on collision, with loving-kindness? And it's kind of obvious when you consider the definition of loving-kindness is this aspiration that we may find happiness and the causes of happiness, that which is diametrically opposed, the, the far enemy, the distant enemy, yeah, the distant enemy, the one you can really see, is ill-will, enmity, malice, the active aspiration. I want you to suffer and find the causes of suffering. So head-on collision, right? That which is the near enemy or the false facsimile, that which looks like loving-kindness, can persuade yourself or others that it is loving-kindness, but it really isn't at all, is self-centered attachment where one's behaving in a way that could suggest that one is very loving and affectionate, whereas in fact one is really acting simply out of one's own self-interest, often very, in a very manipulative way, in a, an I-it relationship with another person, whether it's sexual, whether it's financial, and so forth and so on. So that's a good start. What is the proximate cause, what immediately arouses or catalyzes the experience of loving-kindness is seeing the lovable quality in the person whom one is attending to, of course, that starts with oneself. When you look inwards, do you see anything lovable? Do you see someone who is lovable, someone deserving of happiness? If you don't, you might want to work on that. And then finally, what is the sign of success? And it's a good utilitarian kind of question. That is, we, we don't practice meditation for no reason whatsoever. There should be some criteria. Is this working? Am I getting benefit? Otherwise, I could be doing something else, quite clearly. And the sign of success of the cultivation of metta, of loving kindness, is that one's tendencies for ill will, enmity, malice subside. And that it's just overall in your engagement with other creatures, you really, you really shun any type of activity that might inflict harm on others in terms of attitude, in terms of speech, in terms of physical behavior. You just, that's not for me. That's, that's not where I want to go. So that's very helpful, I think. And we'll find this fourfold kind of analysis for each of the four measurables that we'll look, look at over the coming days. We return this morning, following the teachings of the Buddha and Buddhaghosa, to the cultivation of loving kindness for ourselves and to briefly review, so I'll not need to talk later. It's first of all raising your own vision, not some formulaic idea or liturgy or ritual, but your own vision of what is your dream, what is your vision of your own flourishing, what would truly make you happy, give you a sense of fulfillment and meaning, what's yours. And of course, that can change from day to day, very likely will change from month to month, at least year to year. But what is that vision? What is your North Star by which to navigate and lead your life? And holding that in mind, then you can ask, well, okay, what would I love to receive? Or more essentially, what do I really need to receive from the world around me? and arouse a yearning that you may do so. And then, of course, that it takes to su such a realization takes requires internal transformation. Then apply all of your wisdom in terms of seeing what within your own tendencies, behavior, ways of thinking, speech, and so forth, which of these are obstructing your realization of your own dream, your own flourishing,
and which are conducive, and how might you attenuate one and cultivate the other. So, that's the third, third one. And finally, in order to, to realize the greatest sense of meaning of fulfillment of satisfaction, it simply will not be totally enclosed within your own skin. It's just too isolated, too alienated from everyone around us to have our dream totally isolated within our own being, not even including our children, our spouses, family, friends, and so forth. That, that's, that, that's sick. And so clearly the notion of our own flourishing, the realization of that, must be entangled, must be rising in interdependence with those around us. So then the final question is, again, in the same spirit of loving kindness, not duty or burden or obligation, but loving kindness, what would you love to offer to those around you, near and far, short term and long term? So that's the synopsis of the practice. And I think it's very, very helpful, final note, would be to take stock. Are you, leading your, are you living your dream now? Or are you waiting? Is that, is that an agenda that you get to later on? And that is if, insofar as you find helpful, relevant, meaningful, the criteria that I presented before, that is what constitutes a meaningful life, one that is actively and consciously devoted to the cultivation of genuine happiness, to leading an ethical, benevolent, virtuous way of life, and to finding greater understanding, insight, and wisdom. And actually, it's very satisfying for me. And it gives me some criteria. Okay, how am I doing? How am I doing? Am I living my own dream? Am I leading or living the life that I wish to live? Because it's very obvious to me that it's possible to live a life in which the years and the decades pass by and there's no growing sense of genuine happiness. There's just, it just, it's just not happening. It's either stagnating, it's not even on the horizon, or could even slide backwards. But it's certainly possible to lead a life, you know, as one gets older, where there's not, no greater genuine happiness at all. And then in terms of hedonic, well, just count on it. By the time you get to aging, sickness, and death, that's going to go downhill. So that's guaranteed. It's possible to live a life where there's no growth of genuine happiness. Possible to live a life where there is no dedication to the cultivation of virtue and therefore no increase of virtue. Certainly possible, right? And then likewise, although we're bound to learn a little bit about this and that as we get older, you know, like a ship that, pick, a ship that picks up barnacles, we're bound to pick up some information along the way. But are we really growing an understanding and wisdom, the type of wisdom that leads to a more meaningful, more satisfying, fulfilling life? that gets to the root of suffering and eradicates it and identifies the true causes of happiness and cultivates it. So to my mind, it's a very tragic truth that it is possible to live an utterly meaningless life. It's really possible. And it's possible to live an immensely meaningful life and that's not simply contingent upon outside fortuitous circumstances. So there it is. So which direction does the life go? And this is one, that one decision, this is one point, one fork in the road, where we really do have some control. You know, when we're aware of just how little control we have over almost anything, here's one point where we really do have some control. We have a say in the matter. Are you really committed to living a meaningful life, or does it not matter? Committed to cultivating virtue, or, well, whatever. Nobody else is, why should I? You know, genuine happiness, well... I don't see much in the media. It can't be that important. And wisdom, uh, what is wisdom after all? 
and then just carry on. That's certainly possible, and that's a choice. That's a choice. We can choose to lead meaningless lives, and we can succeed. That's one of the things we can actually guarantee. If we choose that, we don't have to hope. It's a guaranteed. That comes with the territory. If you don't strive for it, it's not going to happen all by itself. Right? Or we can choose to lead a meaningful life, and that we can do no matter what. That's also a given. If you choose to lead a meaningful life, there's nothing outside that can prevent you. Terminate your life, perhaps, yes, that happens. But as long as you're living, as long as you're dying, and even after you're dead, meaning is still a possibility. So let's practice.
Kumalasu. Enjoy your day.